Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, everyone say purpose. For this purpose, the Son of God, who's that? It's Jesus. Jesus was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He was manifested for this purpose. Jesus was manifested for this purpose. He came into the earth that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil. The ministry, the work of Jesus. Um, is is quite often misunderstood and quite often misappropriated, misrepresented. Jesus might be the most misunderstood person that's ever walked this planet. Uh, his mission, what he came to accomplish, what he came to do, and the, the enemy loves to uh, deceive, twist, and manipulate us by reducing great to good. He will get us to accept something good and miss out on great. He'll get us to accept a form of something that still has the absence of power and the absence of what God originally intended and what God originally designed, but yet sell it to us in such a way that's still packaged that seems like an appropriate way to live, an appropriate way to accept, an appropriate way to believe, an appropriate way to think. And in doing so, we accept a religious thinking or religious mindset or religious practice even over what God originally intended from the beginning. I love the word purpose because I believe the purpose or the word purpose always answers the question why. Purpose always answers the question why. And why did Jesus come? Why did he come to this earth? Why did he come and do what he did, and represent what he represented, and the the activity, and the ministry, all the way to going to the cross, being buried three days, and rising again after three days. His The entirety of his mission, the entirety of his efforts, why did he come? And if we only, um, if we reduce Jesus's ministry to coming for a lost and sinful people, dying on a cross for those sins, being buried and then being raised again so I can one day depart from the earth and reside in heaven with him as a sinless person, then we have actually accepted the enemy's version of our lives rather than God's version of our lives. In fact, I would, I would even put it this way. The enemy has no problem with a believer that simply believes Jesus came to die on a cross for our sins and take us up out of this earth and live with him in heaven while affecting and changing nothing on the planet while we're here. This verse has been rolling around in me for quite some time. Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. And I think, um, you know, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not one of those that tries to say, 
you know, every year is this and every year is that. And I've already uh, kind of addressed the last several weeks on the weekends, on Sundays, that we're coming into a, a increased awareness and an inc- increased sensitivity because the awareness that we live with will affect the responsiveness that we live with. But in that responsiveness, in that, in, in that sector, in, in that element, the responsiveness is not just accepting the goodness of God to change our sinful behavior and our sinful activity and clothe, clothe us with his righteousness and clothe us with his holiness and then one day give us an exit strategy up out of this world. I believe that there's a church that's coming, that's, that's rising, that's living with the awareness we are here to occupy until he comes. Occupy until he comes. Occupy until I come. And we have been given not, we, we are not in a waiting room. We've been given an assignment. We've been given a, a to-do list. Do I have any um, husbands that your wives have ever left the house with a, when I return, this is what I expect to be done. Or while I'm gone, could you take care of point one, point two, point three? I've been given those tasks. So all you husbands that are shaking your head like, yes, I can't believe it. Um, you already have an idea of what our lives should look like. Because here's the thing, I can put that off based upon where I think my wife has gone and how long I think it's going to take her. If I know that she is, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and when I'm done, I'm going to pick up Camden from school, and then I'll be home, I know. He gets out of school at 325. She'll probably be home around 335 to 345, somewhere in there. But Jesus didn't leave us with a, Time stamp. He didn't leave us, right? Didn't the disciples ask, you know, when are you going to restore the kingdom? And he said, Jesus responded and said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. It's the open-ended journeys that my wife takes. How long could that target run take? Is she going to TJ Maxx or not? Will she find anything at TJ? I don't know those. And so I can put it off, but then there's a sensing on the inside she could return at any time. Jesus can return at any time. And we have a checklist, and I wonder how we're doing on that checklist. I wonder how we're doing on the to-dos that he left us with, occupy till I come. Jesus's purpose was to come and do what? Destroy destroy, destroy the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the devil. Not just save you from the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the devil. Now that's a different position. That's a different uh, operating procedure. That's a different mindset. That's a different, that we aren't just merely existing to wait until, you know, I think that we have raised the church that has more faith in the return of Christ than the power of the believer. 
we have more faith that Jesus is returning than we do in what Jesus gave us to do until he returns. I want to address the until he returns. While he's gone. In this area, this void, if you will, that no one seems to know what to do with other than just simply wait until the power of Christ returns, until Jesus himself returns. I think we have this idea that Jesus is coming to fix everything. And we're going to be, it'll be okay to be left with a bunch of broken stuff when I think if we read the Bible more accurately, we would find that he called us to fix some stuff and he was calling to bring back to himself a restored, a redeemed, a a working. You know, God has never changed his plan. God has never changed his mind. I know we can read the Bible through our lens and think that, uh, you know, one thing went wrong, so he decided to institute. You know, he, he wasn't expecting man to, 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 to fail and sin. They ate of the fruit, so now he's got to institute plan B. And then plan B wasn't quite successful, the law. So, you know, then we had to find another way to get man right. And then, you know, that, you know, doesn't quite measure up. So now we've got to, we we have this idea that God thinks like we do, that he's figuring it out as we go. And that's just not the case. God knows the end from the beginning. God knows exactly what he's doing. Say that with me. Say, God knows exactly what he's doing. He's known what he's doing from the very beginning. Genesis chapter one, verse 26 Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Anytime you want to discover purpose, where do you have to go? To the beginning. You don't find purpose halfway through. You don't find the purpose for something halfway through. Everybody's messed it all up. <laughs> no, you go back to its original design. You go back to the one that instituted it. You go back to the one that manufactured it. You go back to the one that created it. You go back to the one that imagined it. Hello. Purpose is in the mind before it's in the hand. Purpose is in your thinking before it's actually produced. You already know what it's going to accomplish before you lay your hands on it. Before you have it in place. And in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, God knew exactly what he was doing with man. He just spent uh, 26 verses prior to this creating a planet that would be sufficient enough for you and I to take care of us so that we could fulfill verse 26, 27, and 28. Everything that God put in place in this earth was to serve you and I and to serve our mission and our purpose. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. That was a part of God's plan from the beginning. It wasn't a halfway through plan. From the very beginning, he knew I'm going to extend this realm in the unseen to a realm in the seen. And then he knew I'm not going to rule over that planet. I'm going to send ambassadors. I'm going to send agents that are going to rule that planet just as I would rule that planet if I were there. They're going to rule in my place. Let us make man 
They says what? In our image, meaning I'm giving them all the necessary qualities, all the necessary characteristics, all the necessary functioning uh, uh, design so that they can carry out the mission that I'm sending them for so that they can do and fulfill the assignment. God never sends you in to a to an assignment um, ill-prepared or without the resource or without the supply that you need to fulfill or accomplish what he's calling you to do. He does not. You might feel ill-prepared, but if you would dig deep, you would find that he's given you everything you need. It might not measure up in man's eyes. You might not have enough education. You might not have enough money. You might not have enough influence. You might not have enough experience. You might not have enough, uh, uh, you know, uh, people around you to support you, enough resources, enough following, but God knows exactly what he's doing. God knows exactly what he, you might feel like I don't have enough courage. I don't have enough word. But God knows exactly what he's doing and he knows how to prepare you for the assignment that's at hand. And he did not create Adam and Eve with any deficiency. He did not create man in the very beginning with any uh, deficiency in their design. He said, let us make man in our image. Image speaks to function. It speaks to design. It speaks to the necessary things to accomplish the assignment I'm designing you to accomplish. Amen. He says, uh, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then he says this, let them have dominion. Everyone say dominion. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So this is what we know is that at the end of the day, any specific assignment God gives us, it falls in line with the general mission, the general assignment of carrying out his dominion from heaven over the earth, carrying out his authority, his dominion. That word dominion means to manage, It means to govern. It means to control. Amen. These are things we've seen before here at Anchor Faith Church. It means to manage, to govern, to control, to oversee. At the end of the day, man was in charge of the planet. Not not owning the planet, like I get to do with it as I wish but I am in charge of overseeing it and the affairs of the planet, of the earth, as I remain submitted to God. Now, you've heard us say many times, you cannot remain in authority if you fail to remain under authority, right? You cannot remain in authority if you fail to remain under authority. The 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 access to your commission, being commissioned by God to fulfill an assignment. The measure that you are commissioned is determined by the measure that you are submitted. Your submission, your submission to the Father 
determines your commission by the Father. Jesus came. When Jesus came, he did not come uh, as one just doing whatever he wanted to do. How many times did we read about Jesus' life? So if you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. I don't do anything on my own initiative. I say what the Father tells me to say. I do what the Father tells What's he doing? He is operating submitted to the Father. And by his act of submission to the Father, now he can act in authorization by the Father, carrying out that dominion that we just read, to manage, to control, to oversee. How many of you would agree with me that Jesus had dominion, carried out dominion over the earth? I think we can all agree on that. There's, not, there's nothing on this planet that ruled over Jesus. He even said that they don't take my life, I lay it down. The only reason they can take it is because I first laid it down. See, this is the thing we got to understand is when we're, when we're fully understanding our assignment, see, when, when we aren't walking in the full assignment God's called us to, that's when doors get opened up to attack um, and, and things that are against the plan and the will of God, things that you ought to be living set free from. We find ourselves subjected to things that we ought to be ruling over. It's backwards. It's backwards. Jesus did not live subjected to this world. He didn't live subjected to food. He didn't live subjected to fame. He didn't live subjected to money. He didn't live subjected to addiction, to lust, to perversion, to backward thinking. If it was not in line with the king and his kingdom, he had no part of it. Amen. And therefore, he carried out dominion on this earth. He operated, he came to destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose, he was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. You and I were created in his image, in his likeness, to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Go to Matthew chapter 10. I just want to outline some things tonight to help us truly walk in what we're called to walk in. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power. Everyone say power. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of of disease. Notice it says that Jesus gave them power. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give away what you do not have. Jesus must have had the power to cast out unclean spirits, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. He must have had the power to give the power. Now, this word power 
is actually not the word power. This word power is actually the word authority. And this is very important for us to understand. This word power is actually translated authority. It's the word exousia. Exousia. E-X-O-U-S-I-A. E-X-O-U-S-I-A. Exousia. Exousia actually means this. It means capacity, competency, authority. It means delegated influence. Delegated influence. It's the authority. There's a difference between authority and power. That's why we got to understand the word as it's written, not as it's interpreted, as it's translated. We, we've, we've seen many times where translators or interpreters without the accurate, without the accurate uh, uh, translating, that we can miss what's really trying to be taught, what is trying to be applied. It's the word exousia. It actually has to do with the authorizing. The authorizing. So he's authorizing them to what? Walk in this kingdom authority that we just read about to govern, to manage, to control. What is Jesus doing? He's putting things back in right alignment as they were originally intended in Genesis chapter one. I love the fact that Jesus came and demonstrated heaven on earth, but if you think that Jesus did what he did as God, you've missed the point. Jesus did not do what he did as God. As God in the flesh. If he did, you and I are mere bystanders watching and applauding and celebrating the miracles and celebrating the unclean spirits being cast out and the, and the healings and the sickness and disease being driven away and the walking on the water and the multiplying of food. We, we just simply stand by and watch and say, wow, what an awesome demonstration of the power of God. But this is not just a mere, watch what I can do. This is Jesus saying, what I can do, you should be doing. Does that sound like a familiar verse? Does anybody know that verse? These same works that I do, you shall do. Why? Because Jesus did not come to show us what he could do. Jesus came to show us what we could do. He came to be the perfect example. He came to be the perfect example. He came to reveal to us what a kingdom dominion looks like, what kingdom dominion looks like on the earth, what Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 looks like on the earth. He came to demonstrate heaven authority, not just heaven ability, not just heaven power, but heaven authority. You've been authorized to do. It does me no good to believe in the power if I don't believe in the authority to carry the power because because utilizing power without authority is illegal. The devil has power. We watch his power in demonstration all the time. The problem is, is he's not been authorized to carry out that power. He's operating illegally in this realm, illegally in this earth. You've been created in the image and in the likeness with the function and the ability. We've been separated from kingdom alignment 
through sin and being born into a sinful nature. But when you are born again, when your life is made new, old things are gone, the new has come. Guess what? You now walk in the privilege, you walk in the authority to operate in the power. I believe that Jesus came to this earth with authority. What is it that allows your authority to operate? I believe it's a simple yes. A yielded life. Born again. When you say yes to the Lordship of Christ. When you say yes to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. When you say, I lay down my life and I take up your life. I take up the cross and I follow you. I believe in that instant, you are authorized. Authorized. Given the the, the kingdom privilege to carry kingdom power. You're given the authority, the capacity, the capacity, the privilege of demonstrating the kingdom of God in the earth. I believe that there are believers all over this planet that have the authority but don't know it. See, this is why, you know, what what does the word tell us? My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. What you don't know will kill you. What you don't know will hinder you, will restrict you from walking in all that God has called us to do. And it's amazing that there's two words in the church today that people don't like. There's two words in the church that people don't want to hear. When you start talking about authority and when you start talking about power, all of a sudden people get disrupted. I find it interesting in, in Acts that It says in uh, Acts chapter 3, after they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. You know, they all thought they were crazy. They all thought they were drunk, right? In Acts chapter 3, it says that Peter and John were walking to the temple as was customary. That was regular occurrence. No problem. No problem with the walking to the temple in religious practice. No problem going to church and going about your duties. No problem about doing your little religious, your, 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 your little religious plan and, and program and, and activities not, as long as you're not disrupting anything. But then what happened? They healed a man lame that was at the gate called beautiful, didn't they? And now what? We got a problem. We had no problem with the going to the prayer as was customary at the typical time of day on the day that we always go. The the, the world has no problem with us doing our Sunday 1030 to 1230 check off our box with our prayers. They'll even ask us to pray. They'll even ask us, they'll invite us to do our religious practice. but, But when it's void of power, When it's just going through the motions? What are we really providing? What are we really doing? But now, there's a difference. Jesus authorizes these individuals. You skip on down to um, verse 5. 
He's authorized them. It says, it says uh, these 12, Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying, what are we saying? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does he tell them to do? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. He says, freely you have received. Freely you have received. I didn't work to obtain this authority. I didn't have to prove myself. I didn't have to become something other than simply saying yes to the purpose and the plan of God. And simply saying, yes, I will yield my life to the kingdom of God and disband from the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness. Colossians chapter one describes it as being transferred from one kingdom to another. It's the same picture of when uh, a nation would go in and overtake a nation and then take captives and take slaves and take them out of one nationality and, and one geographic area to another. That's, that's literally what the, the, the image and the picture that Paul was trying to give there in Colossians chapter one, translated from darkness to light, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of, of his beloved son. You've been transferred. And now my allegiance no longer aligns with the devil, no longer aligns with his plan, no longer aligns with his agendas, no longer aligns with his thinking. I've got to abandon all that. It's my yes that empowers my authority. It's my submission that empowers my commission. It's my ability to submit that empowers my ability to rule the authority. I've been authorized. That's a privilege. That's an honor that a lot of Christians don't even know that they have. They don't even know what they carry. They don't even know who they are. They don't even know what has been assigned to them and what they have been called to do. He says, as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. In essence, he says, the same works that you've been watching me do, I'm now handing this off to you. It's delegated influence. Delegated influence has the power of the delegator, the one that is giving. Have you ever noticed that um, someone that is not in authority cannot give authority? You must be in a position of authority to give someone else authority. Nobody else in this this church has the authority to give you a key to the building or an alarm code outside of the one who's in authority. Me. Now, I may delegate that authority to Pastor Caleb and say, Pastor Caleb, I'm authorizing so-and-so to have an access, have a key, have a code to this building. Can you help them get that set up? Can you get their authority? But it has to come from someone in authority. 
Nobody can just come up to you and say, I make you the president of the United States of America. They do not have the authority to make you the president of the United States of America. Amen. You recognize this. But then here's the other part of it. Here's the other side of it. Once the authority has been delegated, you should not be coming back to the delegator to get something accomplished. Hello? If I have authorized you, given you a key to this building, and you need to access something, you should not be calling me to let you in the building. Hello? Don't call me. Last time I checked, I authorized you. I don't even need a phone call to make sure you can access the building. Pastor Mark, I need to go up to the church. I left my, I left my Bible there. Uh, do you have, well, if you forgot the code, you're, you're one step ahead of me. A word that is forgotten does us no good, does it? It's exactly it. If I've lost the key or forgotten the code, and we got a lot of believers that lost the key, forgot the code, or never knew they had a key or a code in the first place. Last time I checked, he said, I've given to you keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is loosened. This is Jesus talking to the church. This is Jesus talking to you and I. These are empowering words that we gloss over and we skip over, or at the very least, we believe it's for a time later on. We have great faith in the end. We have great faith in the past, but we don't have enough faith for the present. That right now you're in authority. Right now you rule and reign. Right now you've been authorized. Right now you have been given the dominion to govern, to manage, to control the affairs of the earth. And so we're crying out to God, the delegator. God heal. He's not healing anymore, guys. He's delegated it to you and I. God touch, God deliver, God set free. Now it's his power. It's not my power. It's not my ability. But see, this is what sets off religious thinking. Oh no, who who do you think you are? Proudful, prideful, boastful, arrogant. Who do you think you are to say that, that you can heal, that you can deliver? Last time I just checked in Matthew chapter 10, you read it. If you got a problem with the word, don't shoot the messenger. He wrote it, not me. He said, I'm giving you. And as you go, preach the kingdom of heaven. Heal the sick. Jesus wasn't expecting, uh, you know, his disciples to come run him down and say, hey, we're over in this town over here and uh, there's some sick people. We, we need you. Come on. What's he going to look at him and say? You remember that little meeting we had? As you go, preach the kingdom. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. He put it within their power. He put it within their authority, the privilege to operate the kingdom of God, to govern, to manage, to control, to exercise dominion over the affairs of the earth. You're asking God and God is reminding us, I gave you the keys. I gave you the keys. 
So you've either lost the key or forgot the code, forgot the word, forgot the word that empowers us, forgot the word that says you have been, you have received delegated authority, delegated influence is literally what that means. That's exousia. Okay? So that's the capacity. That's the capacity. That's the privilege. That's the authorization. But there's another step. There's another step. Go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. See, if we miss the mission, we'll be busy but ineffective. Busy but ineffective. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus talking to these same disciples. But you shall receive power. Everyone say power. There's that word again. you, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Is this another step? Is this separate? from the receiving of the authority? It is. Because this word power is not the word power that we just read in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 was, what was that word? Exousia. The Greek word exousia. It means the capacity. It means delegated influence. It means authorization. But this word power is not exousia. This word power is the Greek word dunamis. Say it with me. Say dunamis. Say exousia, say dunamis. I'm working, we're, we're, we're teaching it tonight. We're, we're working it, we're learning. Y'all can now come out of here and walk out of this place saying, uh, you know, I know two languages. I know two words in another language. You've learned exousia, which is delegated influence, the authorization, and now you've learned dunamis. And dunamis means this, ability. Everyone say ability. It means power. Everyone say power. It means strength. Everyone say strength. It means might. It means miraculous power to do a mighty work. That's what dunamis means. Miraculous power to do a mighty work. It does you no good to be authorized if you don't have power. And it does you no good to have power if you haven't been authorized. There's power and authority. Now, they're both... Given the same word here in the New King James, power, but you got to know what, what's really being written in the Greek. It's not the same word power both times. He gave them authority. The, the ability to walk in the authorization is me simply yielding my life and saying, yes, Lord, whatever. He says, you've been authorized. But now he says, I need you to receive power. I need, it, it does be no good to delegate to you the authority or to authorize you to carry out an assignment if I don't empower you with the ability. See, authority is capacity. But power is ability. Not only do I have the capacity, now I've got the ability. You've been granted capacity and Ability. 
Jesus did not come to show us what he could do. Jesus came to show us, or to, to show us what uh, he could do. He came to show us what we can do. But you and I have been authorized and empowered. Now, the authority comes as a result of my yieldedness. But now the power comes as a result of me receiving now the Holy Spirit. There is no power without receiving the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus, I just told you, Jesus came to this earth with authority. Why? Because he said, yes, Father, I'll go. Bible tells us he was a lamb, he was a lamb slain before the foundations of the world. He said, yes, I'll go. The father assigned him to go, be the ransom. And as a result of his yes, he was authorized. But Jesus, I do not believe, and I believe the scripture backs this up, that he came with power. Because the power came as the result of his yieldedness in baptism. Why are we baptized? For the remission of what? He's a sinless person. What do you need to be baptized in water for? He's baptized in water to be an example to you and I. This is where the power comes from. And the Holy Spirit, what? Descended on him. You notice before, you will not find one miracle, one message, one deliverance, one healing prior to that occurrence. He was authorized as a result of his yes, but he was empowered as a result of receiving the Holy Spirit. Authority is no good without the power to carry out the authority. I use this example. A police officer standing in the middle of a four-way stop you ever ever gone through a uh, maybe a school zone or where the the lights went out due to a power outage and you've got uh, a police officer literally directing traffic now let me ask you does he have the power does he have the ability to stop a 2000 plus pound vehicle does he have the power to literally the ability to stop that in his own natural no of course not What stops that vehicle? The authority. The badge stops the vehicle. It's the difference between the authority and the power. It's the difference. Have you been authorized? God took care of the authorizing. He took care of the delegating. He took care of the assigning. But now we must receive the Holy Spirit to be empowered a believer that's merely authorized but hasn't received the empowering hasn't received the power to walk in the authorization and you'll see people today that are walking in power without an authority 
What did Jesus, you remember that, that, that really weird passage in Matthew chapter 7 when he says, they will cast out demons, they'll do many signs and wonders in my name, and when I get to see them, I'll say what? Depart from me, I never knew you. But yet, we still had the casting out of demons? We still had the signs and the wonders? We've got to be very careful that we're not operating in one at the expense of the other. We need the authority and the power. You need to be authorized and equipped and strengthened with the ability that operates within the capacity. We're not just picking up key. That means that even the power that I'm using, I'm using it in submission to the Father. I'm using it in submission to what would you do? What are you saying? You'll, you'll, you'll find times where Jesus, he had the power to do something, but yielded that power to the submission of the Father. There was one time the disciples came to him and said, why don't you just send down fire from heaven and burn them all up? Remember that? There's a time, you see, authorized people will know how to restrain the power when necessary. Authorized people know how to remain yielded to the Father, even in, it, it, it's a bridled power. The, the bridle, the, the bit goes in the horse's mouth to control all the strength. It doesn't make them any weaker. It just controls it and refines it and channels the power in such a way that it's a blessing and not a curse. But we need people that are authorized know that they're authorized, know who they are, know what they have, and that have received the power, the ability to do a miraculous work, a mighty sign and wonder. This is what he's calling us to do. Look at Ephesians chapter one. We'll wrap it up here. Ephesians chapter one. Are y'all getting this tonight? Ephesians chapter 1. I want to start with verse 19. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's start with verse 19. He says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Everyone say power. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us? who believe. There's a believing capacity that's necessary. There's a, a, a believing component. If I'm doubtful, if I'm not mindful, if I'm not understanding, if I'm not valuing, if I'm not honoring, then I can't walk in that power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Look at this, far above. Everyone say far above. All principality and power and might and dominion. You know that you need a power to overcome a power. I said you need a power to overcome a power. 
You're seeing the works of the enemy at hand. You're seeing what the enemy, the destructive works and the destructive efforts. And we're trying to respond to that with anger and frustration. We're trying to respond with that with an exit strategy to hurry up and get out. We're, we're trying to respond. But we, you and I have the power that overcomes the power of the enemy. You and I have that power. You and I possess the power and have been authorized to use the power. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. I mean, it's not even close. The enemy, uh, Satan is not the enemy of God. He is not uh, a, a um, he, he's not qualified to be an enemy of God. It's not even close. It's the most unfair fight on the planet. It's not close. God and Satan are not up there warring. And sometimes God loses. And sometimes the devil loses. And then sometimes God loses. It's isn't like what we watch. It's in a Rocky movie. Where God's head's bouncing off the mat eight times. And we're having visions. Get up, you bum. We're not, this isn't, that's not God. God is winning all the time. God is victorious all the time. God overcomes all the, t- all the time. You always triumph. What? In Christ Jesus. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, meaning not only as I'm writing this, but also in the ages or the years or the seasons to come. He said, I just go ahead and cover all the bases. There's not a name that could ever be named that will be greater than the name of Jesus. I mean, this is, uh, this is an absolute obliteration. An embarrassment. The Bible actually calls that Jesus embarrassed Satan. I hope y'all are getting this because y'all are awfully quiet. I hope you're thinking about it. Because he put all things, it says, under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, In you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Meaning we were far, we were uh, far apart. We were against God. We were opposed to God. But verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Not the barely getting by, the exceeding riches, overwhelming, abundant, extravagant riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In essence, guys, he's saying this. You have taken on the life that Jesus had and what Jesus represented and what Jesus demonstrated and what Jesus encouraged while he was on this earth, you and I are to pick up that mantle and walk that out. Just as he is, so are we in this world. No separation. In Christ. In Christ. What is Christ? Christ is not Jesus' last name. You know, 
I love the person of Jesus. I love the man that came and dwelled on this planet for 33 years and physically walked the earth as you and I walked this earth and literally lived on this planet. But if you're only summing up Jesus as the person, the man for 33 years that walked, you're missing who he is. He was not, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus did not do what he did as God. Jesus did what he did as a man, submitted to the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He said yes, which gave him his authorization, and he received the Holy Spirit, which gave him the power and the ability. And what Jesus did, you and I, not only could do, should do, I believe will do, will do, will do the works that Jesus did, will accomplish the the full assignment of the kingdom, not just winning the lost, not just telling people about Jesus, not just being, uh, you know, good, kind-hearted people that try to live uh, as, as good of a life as we can while we're down here, barely making it by, going through all the, all the struggle and all the challenges and all the issues that everybody else goes through. No, you and I are going to represent heaven. You and I are going to demonstrate kingdom authority and kingdom power. Healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils. We're gonna, I'm going to keep doing it until it happens. I said, I'm going to keep doing it until it happens. Never be discouraged by someone that doesn't understand the power that you've been given. Never be discouraged by someone that doesn't fully comprehend who they are in Christ. Never be discouraged away from God's word by someone that hasn't given themselves to the full revelation of what the word not only tells us we have, but commands us to do. We've been commissioned. We submit to the Father in obedience. We yield to him our yes. We yield to him our lives. And as a result, we walk out every assignment he's given us to operate in dominion, govern, manage, control, oversee the affairs of the earth. Bring it back into right alignment. Watch heaven come. See his will be done. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.